0: This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks
1: first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF news. Mostly sunny for today, high near 63. Tonight will be partly cloudy, low around 40. For Friday, partly sunny skies with a high near 59. People shopping and working in downtown Binghamton are getting an earful as pile driving for a scaled-down redevelopment project moves forward. Construction operations are underway on Water Street next door to the Boscov's department store. When the pile driving is underway, people for blocks around the site are treated to 48 loud bangs a minute. It's not known how much longer the pile driving will continue. Plans for the original project were shot down by the Binghamton City School Board when it voted unanimously against a proposed tax break package for the developers. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram said the parking garage plan would move forward while the future of a residential component of the project was being reconsidered. At a special meeting, the Water Street Redevelopment Corporation voted to authorize the mayor to restructure the project. Pike Development is under contract to have construction of the new parking garage completed by September 14th of next year. Vestal Police are investigating the death of an Endicott resident whose body was discovered on the property of an old nursing home. Authorities received their report that a deceased person was found in a parking lot behind the former Vestal Nursing Center. The body was spotted by someone who was walking near the property. Vessel police officers were sent to the site at around 9.45 on Tuesday morning. Investigators said the body was identified as 59-year-old Benjamin Garrett of Endicott. They said he had been reported missing by relatives. Police said an autopsy on Garrett's body was performed Wednesday morning at Lord's Hospital. The autopsy results were not released by detectives. A news release indicated there was no indication that anything malicious or suspicious occurred to cause the death of Garrett, but police said their investigation is continuing. A new emergency order is now in effect in Broome County that prohibits New York City residents from using New York City housing vouchers within the county. The new order is part of the state of emergency issued in May related to the city's attempt to relocate large groups of people to upstate hotels. The state of emergency was enacted due to the extremely limited amount of housing currently available in the county. The county executive's office is coordinating with Sheriff Fred Akshar, the county department of social services and other agencies that may be impacted by the arrival of relocated persons. The sheriff's office has worked since May to educate local hotels and landlords about the state of emergency and associated emergency orders and is the lead agency on their enforcement. The Shenango Forks Central School District is receiving a significant financial boost with the receipt of $475,000 in funding from the United States Bureau of Justice Assistance under the Preventing School Violence Initiative. This allocation exceeding $400,000 has been earmarked to bolster safety measures within K-12 educational settings, ensuring a secure environment for students and staff. In response to the funding, the Shenango Forks Central School District has devised a comprehensive strategy aimed at en- enhancing safety, including the implementation of behavioral threats assessments, assessments and intervention teams, the integration of cutting-edge anonymous reporting technology, and the adoption of other proven school safety measures. New York State is dramatically expanding a legal marijuana market plagued by a sluggish rollout of retail stores. State regulators last Wednesday opened a 60-day window to accept general applications to grow, process, distribute, and sell pot. They expect to continue to issue more than 1,000 new licenses starting early next year with a priority on retail. Newly adopted regulations will allow companies licensed to sell medical marijuana to expand into the adult retail market by the end of the year. That move worries farmers and retailers. They fear being squeezed out by deeper-pocketed companies who will be able to both grow and sell. And Broom County Sheriff Fred Akshar, along with Undersheriff Sam David, recently announced a new addition to the force, K-9 Raven. Sheriff Deputy Thomas Holden is Raven's partner and handler. Together, they went through training over several weeks in Illinois at Cedar Creek Kennels. Canine dog training includes obedience, protection, searches, tracking, and criminal apprehension. According to Police Chief Magazine, a separate class of dog is prepared for tactical situations, such as SWAT or special government operations. Deputy Holden, Holden and Raven will take to the role patrol beginning in November. K9 Raven is a female German Shepherd and has been trained for tracking, protection, drug detection, and other skills needed for law enforcement K9 units. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF.
2: Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Let's open the phone lines at 607-772-1290. Welcome to the program. I'm here till noon. We do this every weekday morning on WNBF. Three hours of conversation. We have local callers, local guests, local topics. Sometimes we talk about topics outside the Binghamton area. And sometimes we have guests from outside the Binghamton area and callers. Wherever you're listening... We encourage you to participate. Feel free to call. You don't have to be in the Binghamton area. Just call us at 607-772-1290. Let's hit the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob.
3: It's Gary from the West Side. Good morning to you.
2: Good morning, Gary.
3: So, so I wanted to discuss something that I was made aware of last night. The Salvation Army in Binghamton. They serve uh, food for the needy. Uh, they have breakfast and they have dinner. Well, last night I was made aware that the Salvation Army is closed down for that now in downtown. They are not serving breakfast or dinner, which is a major problem because a lot of people depend on the Salvation Army for their meals. So I asked a couple of people, and they all confirmed that the uh, Salvation Army was closed for meals. And I asked them why, and they said that the – now, this is hearsay, Bob, right? It's just from people telling me, so I don't know the facts, but they said that the city shut them down. And I was surprised. It's a city. And they said because there was uh, fights outside the Salvation Army that the
2: city closed them down. Have you heard anything about that, or this is news? Or- no, it's news to me. Yeah, yeah so that's sure. I, I said- it, it's interesting to me. First of all, we have heard nothing about the Salvation Army in Binghamton for a long time. They used to be yeah. more, more inclined to uh, tell us what they're up to. Now, the only time I... Uh, have experience or uh, a sense that the Salvation Army is still there is if I'm walking on Washington Street and I see occasionally a little bit of activity, but as far as the um, no meals, that's, that's news to me. Yeah. And I don't, I don't understand the Salvation Army. You know, at one point a few years ago, there was a big, big ceremony Kathy Hochul was there. She was lieutenant yeah, governor Salvation at the time. Salvation Army. Yeah, over on the north side, near all right, yep. uh, off uh, dollar or whatever yeah. it is, the dollar store. Yeah, next by, to uh, the Dollar. Yeah, next to Happy Dollar, and you know the the people at Salvation Army after that ceremony never never explained what happened. To my satisfaction, I'll, I mean, I first of all. Nobody local would talk about it, so all requests about whatever happened to their big new facility planned on Binghamton's north side, all those questions were referred to somebody in Syracuse, and as I recall, that person wouldn't shed much light on on why the whole thing was scrapped. I guess the upshot, the claim was, well, the cost, the projected cost... um, Rose too high, so they couldn't do it. But they never, they never made any official announcement. And um, you know, compared to past years, looking back over the decades, Salvation Army's presence here in Binghamton is—I'm uh, not saying they're—they're they're not doing work. It's just they don't talk about it. And as far as the, the situation service with the food. Hmm? They do a good
3: service. They do a good service with the food. I mean, you know. Well, look, if they stop serving meals, area.
2: what what kind of service is that? They're, they did a good well, service the city with made the meals. Them shut down. The city supposedly. The city well, and, and that's another down. thing. Why wasn't that announced? I don't know. You know, I don't now, know. who? Who with the city? Whether it happened since Mayor Cram took office or prior to that with Mayor David? Who would the city? would take steps to shut down meal service at the Salvation Army in downtown Binghamton if there right. were problems and not make some sort of announcement. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and early, if it says on on the door, they have a sign that says the uh, morning breakfast and the evening meal is indefinitely shut down. There's a sign on the door. It doesn't say why. It just says it's indefinitely
2: so anybody... shut down. So anybody... Anybody you spoke with about this, did they give any uh-huh. any hint whether it happened in the last month, the last year? Yeah, it
3: was just recently. Oh, no, recently, very, okay. Like, yeah, like about a week ago.
2: Oh, okay. Yes.
3: Yeah, it's just very recently Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Then yep. so, I, you know, I, I will make...
3: Right up to this point.
2: All right. I'll make some inquiries. Yeah.
3: Because you know, and, and I was it... kind of surprised. If, if, they, if they shut it down because of fighting, right... Outside the place, Uh, I mean, I found that kind of strange, you know. Because, I mean, go downtown on a Friday or Saturday night, and uh, the bar scene—they're fighting outside the bars. The bars are
2: still open. Yeah, but bars bring the bars. The bars bring in money to property Ah, owners and to the 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 city. It's about the the money. Bottom
3: line. Yeah, of
2: course. I'm I'm unaware. I don't know if the Salvation Army even pays property taxes on that site on Washington Street. So maybe the city figures, all right, it's not generating any revenue in terms of sales tax, plus they're not and again, I don't know. I'd have to look this up, but because of their status, they may not be paying any property taxes. So could be, could be the city just wants them out of there. I've I've been under the impression. I hope not. Well I'll tell oh, you that would be horrible. But Gary That was part of the plan to begin with. That's why everybody, including yeah, to get them out of downtown. That property. Look at it. Look at uh, the redevelopment of Washington Street. That stretch of Washington Street from Riverside Drive up to, well, not just up to the Metro Center, but even going beyond the Metro Center, all of Washington Street. They they have plans, big plans. And and a lot has happened. Look, Washington Street today is far different than it was 10 or 15 years ago. There are a lot of uh, thriving businesses, bars, and other types of businesses. And the Salvation Army now, in the estimation of some people, sticks out like a sore thumb. And the, the hope, I was told, not in a public setting, privately, I had been told, the hope was... That Salvation Army would move forward with the plan, which was supported by state government money, to get out of downtown Binghamton, move their operations to the north side. And many people said, even though the planned Salvation Army facility off Shenango Street was going to be nice, that it wasn't necessarily going to be as convenient for those who really needed help. But... From a redevelopment standpoint, people stood to gain. They figured after the Salvation Army moved its Binghamton operations from Washington Street, then the agency would sell the property. Some developer would pick it up, probably for a song, and then turn it into a restaurant, a bar, maybe a coffee shop. Who knows? Maybe a donut shop. Bob's Bakery. Well, it could be. Bakery. It could be because, again, look, it's right next door to the brand new, still almost sparkling parking garage. That's a um, that's a choice property for redevelopment. Yes, it is. And and I could see where there might be some people. This is called. An unfair conspiracy theory. I could see where some people might think. The city should. Should. Take steps to encourage the Salvation Army to get out of there. Whether it's, I mean, obviously they're not going to the north side because Broom County bought that property for a Veterans services center. So that property is out. But somebody somewhere may want to apply a little bit of pressure to the Salvation Army to say, you know, you don't really fit in here anymore. We've got problems with fights. Remember, there's a new establishment that'll be opening up probably in the next couple of weeks across the street. They're finishing the... The old colonial? Uh, the old no, colonial no the, the beer garden. Beer garden. Mayor all, David's... All across from this. Yeah, Mayor right, David correct. is building the beer garden right. and the construction right. continues on that. So who's to say that maybe some people don't like the salvation army in that location so maybe some people are are laying the groundwork to uh, eventually encourage them to leave maybe not forcing them but incentivizing them it's like well you can't you can't serve meals anymore because of fights so then what can you do well we can still provide some of our other outreach services to people but you know, is that what people need most right now? A lot of people no. in downtown Binghamton need simply downtown. need need a, a couple of meals a day. Absolutely, absolutely.
3: So, what a vital service that is. Yeah, and I'm well, I'll look into that. Well, that.
2: Okay, I appreciate you yeah, that. Well, thanks forward, for, I know you'll get to the bottom of it. Well, thanks for shining a, a spotlight on it. As I say, it's a mystery to me on two levels. One, whether Salvation Army, if they indeed we're forced to stop serving meals because of fights even if it happened just in the last few days why they wouldn't make a public announcement about it and if it's because of something the city wanted done if the city wanted the meal service put to a stop because of issues i'm surprised we didn't hear from the mayor's office where where are the people who serve us both the mayor uh-huh. And also the Salvation Army. Aren't they supposed to let us know what's going on? Sure. That's, I would think so. All right. Well, thank you. I, I hadn't heard it. And I, you know, the ironic thing, I was just over there on Tuesday afternoon. And I have to have, had to have walked. I did. Well, I was not right in front of there walking for. Yeah, actually, I was. I was I walked by their door, but I didn't notice the sign. So I, okay. I was so this working is what on... what
3: I've been told by yeah. a few people, right? So, you know, that's I wouldn't call it, If one person told me, you know, I'd, I'd have to go investigate by myself. But a few different people told me that, yes, the Salvation Army is definitely closed down. All right. I was, like, surprised. I was, like, wow, that's, like, that's such a vital... Well, it is. ...thing for the people in the
2: city. Yeah. No, it's it really uh, you know, and and maybe it's just a temporary thing. Maybe, maybe there were a couple of incidents. I was not aware of any specific problems. You know, when it comes to fights in Binghamton, hey, fights in Binghamton but happen. Yeah, and yeah. around the triple city. So, you know, fights. Sure. Look, people. Hey, we're people. We we have emotions, and some people might get into a physical or. um a uh, verbal dispute and sometimes it turns physical. but it doesn't mean a place is necessarily a bad place. It might mean maybe they need to you know take some steps. maybe that's what what the hope is maybe maybe the city is working with the Salvation Army to um, as they say nip things in the bud before something really bad happens. So if that's the case, you know that, that might make perfect sense and this could be just uh, a brief, a brief uh, suspension of the meal service, and then maybe they'll take some steps to um, improve safety and security for everybody. That's what it sounds like to me. You know what I re- would thank recommend? Thank you for letting me bring this well, up. Well, thank What's you. That? What I would recommend is if people listening are either with the mayor's office or with the Salvation Army, I would encourage them to let us know or let uh, the people either on the fourth floor at City Hall or over at the Salvation Army on Washington Street, let them know that this issue came up on the program and encourage them to call in at 607-772-1290 and we could get answers in real time. That would be great. And hopefully I'm wrong. You know, maybe I got misinformation. Well, it could be. if I'm right,
3: then, you know... Well, that's possible.
2: Well, and if... If there's misinformation, who knows? Maybe they're doing renovations. Maybe they're doing right, some work. Too. Yes. You know, another thing, yeah. and I again, this is live speculation on the air. Maybe, maybe they had a plumbing problem or a, an electrical problem or something. You know, with the facility, and maybe something just needs to be fixed.
3: Yeah, it doesn't. It didn't seem right that the city would shut them. I yeah. mean, What does the city have to do with
2: it? Well, the city. The city. In theory, if there, if there had been a series of problems, the city certainly does have the potential power, I guess, to step in, to intervene if, if problems have occurred. Okay. So, we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe there's a perfectly logical explanation. Oh, somebody just wrote in. Jesse from ago said, can anyone say Department of Health? Who knows? Maybe they... Maybe they had a uh, an issue with the health department. Again, you can you can yep. imagine any possible, or maybe they did, just didn't have. This is something just to, enough a, volunteers. Well, that's maybe what I was going to say.
4: Volunteers.
2: Yeah, yep. yeah, because look, it's tough enough to get people to work for pay. I happen to know of many organizations, nonprofits, and churches, and others. They're having tremendous problems with, with volunteers, and maybe that's the actual reason, that they just don't have uh, enough people to help serve the meal. So either way, I'll, what, I, what I will do today is ask questions, and as I gather the information, I will I will give it to you. Actually, I can't tell you more now. I just received an email from, I think, someone who's going to be able to shed some light on it so we may Good. we may in fact okay, what i would recommend to you is keep an eye on yeah. WNBF.com uh at some point this afternoon and we'll probably have at least a story with as much information i can gather from uh, those who who uh, have insight into what's going on all right
3: hey bob one thing you know you, you do have a lot of senior listeners in your audience and to your Talking about volunteers, you know we could use you. Come on out, volunteer. There's places that can use you, and it's a very rewarding. I will tell you that. Thank you for letting me say that, Bob. And have a good day.
2: Thanks, Gary. It's nine twenty-seven at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, you're on the air. Good you're on the air. What's your... Hi. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Bob from Shenango Forks. Morning, Bob.
5: Uh, I just heard your thing about Salvation Army. I think it's a Salvation Army that on Mondays they set up in the library and cook cheeseburgers for people. Have you heard about that?
2: Mm, No. When did they announce that? I I would think if they did that.
5: They've been doing it uh, for, I think, quite a few months.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. As I mentioned to Gary, the Salvation Army used to uh, contact local news organizations on a fairly regular basis to keep people posted to let them know. I guess I guess they don't do that anymore.
5: I'm pretty sure it's the Salvation. I'm I'm not. I don't think it's the volunteers. But the guy sets up. Uh, they mark off the parking spots where he puts a little tent up and a gr- little grill on it table and cooks five or six cheeseburgers at a time and I think once before they had chili there. Now I don't know how long they've been doing that but sometimes I go
2: to library Money and I see a line of people there. Alright. So, That's on Court Street? Yeah, it's on Court Street Public Library, you know. But, uh, you know don't worry, the mayor will call in and tell you what's going on, won't he? Of course he will. <laughs> It probably is. I see somebody calling in now. Let me check the line. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Goodbye. Bye. Yep. Okay. Line two. Good morning. Is this Mayor Cram? It's
6: Mark Gennady.
2: Oh. Hi.
6: Don't you ever insult me like that.
2: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> don't And don't say that. We, we love Mayor Jared Cram. Come on, man. It's not an insult. I would be no. honored. I would be honored to call... Be called Mayor Cram, but hey, I'm not, so I have no power. All I do is have a telephone and a microphone. So anyway, you're on the air, so choose your words carefully. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm okay. Uh, so, what's going on in downtown Binghamton? Have you heard, are, are there any projects, Mister Yonati, going on in downtown Binghamton that you're involved in?
6: N- none. There's a few patiently <laughs> wait
2: exciting
6: things happening. They but I they say, to, stay tuned. I wanted to respond, I think it was Gary who just called in, um, and that was an accurate statement. They did temporarily close it. Uh, yesterday I received an email from the city of Binghamton economic development director, um, along with a lot of people copied. I guess there were some incidents last week on Washington Street um, so the city took some measures to protect the businesses uh, until they had a conversation with the Salvation Army, which I believe took place in the last couple of days. And it's supposed to resume service today, um, on October 12th. Um, so it'll be back open. And I believe that they're, uh, maybe bringing some, uh, morning meals inside the facility. Um, so they're, they're back up and running.
2: Oh, Okay. So they stopped it about a week ago, or did did the email say what date that the meal service was, was suspended? Do you
6: uh, I'll tell you in one second, but it, I know it was in the last, in the past week. I don't think mm-hmm. it was quite a week. Uh, hold on one second here. I think that they, uh, let's see, it was last. Uh, let's see I Received an email On Thursday, October 5th So not even quite a week Or just a week So it sounds like it was um, Maybe Friday Friday This weekend right. And
2: then it'll reopen today So did it seem that they were talking about Fights or assaults or Other I other guess there were a couple that's...
6: incidences in the street Relating to fights or a couple of businesses had to call the police department. Um, I guess one of them was, you know, maybe a little bit more violent. Um, but thank God nothing uh, bad happened. But
2: I, I believe the mayor and the police department and actually the Salvation Army just took the proper measures to keep the street safe until they resolve the issue. And it sounds like it's been resolved and they're back open today. All right. Well, that's uh, good. I appreciate the, uh, the insight to what was going on. And so I said earlier i would certainly welcome whether it's somebody from city hall oh even the police department if uh police chief um joseph sakuski wants to call in or maybe he and and mayor cram want to stop by here at the station i'll buy them coffee if they stop in between now and noon to talk about this an offer
6: i've never received but thank you anyway
2: um oh okay i didn't think you needed when you've come into the studio before i didn't I didn't think you needed any inducement, but yes, in in the future, all <laughs> in the future, all um, all guests will be uh, permitted. This is like one of those offers you'd hear on the radio: a twelve ounce cup of coffee uh, for successfully completing your on air appearance will give you a certificate. Some restrictions may apply. Perfect. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yep. Have a great day. Take care. Yep, bye bye. WNBF We attempt to give you information That's what we're about And as I've said before I know you're probably tired of hearing it All are welcome That includes the mayor uh, That includes the director of economic development That includes the police chief The public works commissioner The parks and recreation commissioner person who heads the Salvation Army, everyone is welcome here. We're a friendly place. And you shouldn't need any kind of inducement, but if you wish an inducement, I will personally, this this offer is in effect till the end of October. I personally, and I'm expanding the offer right now, it runs through midnight, October 31st, 2023, I personally will pay you enough money to buy a big coffee in downtown Binghamton. Anything up to $5 if you come in and successfully complete your on-air segment. Again, I don't think you need that incentive, but it just goes to show that my heart is in the right place because that is the story of Bob Joseph.
0: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet.
2: most powerful radio station in this building. Except for the hawk and the whale and Kiss. We're certainly in the top five. (laughs) Well, you have to keep it in perspective. DJ from Binghamton, good morning.
7: Good morning, Bob. Oh, you guys play Kiss in that building? Gene Simmons Paul Stanley? I didn't
2: know they played that music. We used to. And then we got tired of his um, sticking out his tongue at the uh, announcers. <laughs> I know, isn't that nasty? Hey, so anyway, um, I've been listening
7: to the callers. Do, do you got, do you remember Bob, or does anyone else remember when the Urban League put on a carnival downtown? Right, oh how do you? Uh, so, when Nita Crab called, we call it the Square back in the eighties. Where the Square is, so where the Salvation Army is, where they stand in line out front of the Salvation Army. There was a big carnival, and the Urban League had uh, three-on-three basketball. I don't know how many years ago that was, 10, 15. Well, a door opened up for me to speak on Friday night, which was I think it was first Friday, Art Walk also, as well as that big carnival the Urban League put on. And I mean carnival. As far as I remember, there were games and rides and stuff. Do you
2: remember that? Well, vaguely. i I yeah. was thinking... Because as soon as you said downtown Binghamton and Carnival and Urban League, I went to my powerful search engine to oh. to look up because I thought I did a story about it. and I can't find it, but uh, maybe maybe it actually happened before we, we started posting our stories online. Okay. But, but I do. Yeah. I definitely remember a carnival in downtown Binghamton. I think it
7: did. Yeah. So you put your formerly nicotine stained fingers to work. So anyway... So the, uh, there was a, they call him the captain That's best, the pastor, you know, get it salvation army. They they play up the army part and he was a captain, a real nice guy, him and his wife. And they invited me to come in there and speak on a Friday night, do what's called a revival, right? And people came and stuff and he was trying to get a band going and make a contemporary service and all that. He wanted me to teach him, give him lessons and stuff. It didn't pan out. I don't know what happened, but anyway, um, that was, that was a good door opener. And I came outside and people were. Oh, the place was packed. It was a big carnival. But I wanted to say a word to you that's gonna that would stop all that nonsense. And, Bob, I don't know what it is. It's like a phenomenon. When people know there's cameras around, they don't act out like they do. They should put a cameras out, one on the Salvation Army building. The city can put up a camera and, and signs that says you're under surveillance. And I'll bet you that'll stop that nonsense. Same with the pools, the um, Z pool. You know how Z-pool well, is putting a
2: camera in the mm, Z pool. The problem. Mm. Yeah, I not. mean that's a step in the right direction, but the problem Thank is you. the problem. In my estimation, is that doesn't work for the entire population. There, oh. there, there are always. This is what I've noticed, especially more in recent years. Especially, uh, you know, I, I don't like to say that it's among younger people, but I, I tend to think it is because. Um, Let's face it If you're of a certain age And I can't tell you what age that would be You've lived in an environment Essentially where Everything, where you have to go With the assumption that everything you do Is being Tracked and monitored uh, Whether it's video, audio Online So for some people I think It's not going to make a big difference Now one of the things that The city Waited f- decades for. I'd been talking about this for years, and they steadfastly refused to install uh, some cheap security cameras in the parking garages. And I, uh, I brought it up with some frequency with Rich David when he was mayor. When he would come in, and it was like, "Yeah, you know, that's a good idea." And every time it was, "Yeah, that's a good idea." Yeah, that's a good idea. Now, finally, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, if Mayor David was still in office or if it was after uh, Jared Cram became mayor. But finally, I would say within the last year or two, somebody with the city decided, yeah, that's a good idea. We're going to put up some security cameras inside the parking garage. So if somebody gets killed, at least the police investigators will have some basic oh, information because I'll tell you. See, maybe you don't remember, but I do. Some guy was killed in the parking garage here near the radio station several years ago, and there was there were no security cameras. So now, ultimately, I believe uh, a person was arrested and prosecuted for the death. I don't I don't believe he was charged with murder. It was uh, 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 but vaguely I remember. But that. here's the thing. Now, it left a lasting impression because, as, as I recall, the person who died. Wound up being pushed or shoved or slammed. I don't remember the specifics. But anyway, I believe his head hit the bumper of the WNBF news vehicle. So, of course, that would leave a lasting impression. And as I said, for years, you know, how much do security cameras cost? I know they cost a certain amount. And over the years, the cost of security cameras has has continued to go down as technology improves but they finally put in the security cameras now having said that they'll never put in elevators at the state street parking garage no that's that's beyond that's beyond reasonableness because well first of all from a structural standpoint uh the, the place is too far gone to put in new elevators at a at a reasonable cost but at least they finally put in i think they have now maybe three security cameras. So the next time someone, a man, woman, or child, or even a dog gets attacked inside the State Street parking garage, the police will have video and they can study it at their uh, crime analysis center and they'll be able to uh, at least, you know, play back the, the video on a loop and okay. see how it happened.
7: Okay, so here's a question. I thought that article with the Z-Pool said that they put up one camera and who sees it is a person, an official with the pool on their on their phone. You can do that.
2: Well the Z they pool, they that. Z Pool and Endicott on the north side, they put up more than one camera. But it's true now with technology you can have it set up. Yes. So indeed yes. people who are authorized Thank you. yes. Uh, so yes, people who are authorized and that could include say, the mayor, the police chief, the street supervisor uh, for the police, the the sergeant who might be in charge, sergeant or captain who's ever in charge at a given time. So if they're authorized, right. they could keep an eye on what's going on anywhere, you know, thanks, thanks to technology. So, yes, to your point, would... That's um, what they should do. And, you know, that's an interesting point now that I'm thinking about Washington yeah. Street you know That's there are
7: i do bob but there are other cam- I'm, I'm interesting
2: <laughs> but here's here's my point there are definitely other cameras nearby i'm just trying to remember if in that spot because they, they have a camera i am fairly certain at court and washington they certainly and this this is work to keep down crime here at the radio <laughs> station when when mayor david put up uh a video camera to monitor. When I get in here at the station, here at uh, outside the station, uh, I've managed not to commit any crimes at all since the city put in that uh, police <laughs> camera outside our door. So, I mean, it is, is—it is a it, for me, it serves as a deterrent.
7: Hey, you know, think about this, right? <clears throat> We've been breaking records every summer with heat. The heat's gonna come and it's people. The weather people know that, and it's, the Bible says it. And it's and things are going to get hotter and hotter and worse and worse. At the pools, at the dinners when they're lined up, at, it's 115 degrees, and they're, and they're lined up for food to eat. at always or everywhere. They should be putting up more cameras. They really. Oh, should. don't cameras worry. 53. Remember, I
2: reported earlier this summer the city was putting up more cameras, even though they never made any announcement. So fortunately. Someone, a local reporter, noticed they are putting up more cameras and more plate readers in Binghamton. And finally, it was reported they still never put out a a complete news release on it. I, I reported that story. Let's see, four months ago, Binghamton expanding city police surveillance camera network with new license plate readers and street surveillance cameras. So now, Big Brother and even Big Sister, are watching us. And that helps. That helps take a bite out of the crime. Thank you, DJ. It's 948. I would say this. If you live, work, or shop in the city of Binghamton, assume that your actions are being recorded, unless told otherwise. Virtually everywhere you go. Now, not everywhere. That's why I say virtually. There are some neighborhoods that are so far uncovered by the sprawling surveillance system. But the city is moving forward to improve surveillance. So you and your family will never be tempted to break the law. It's Bob Joseph, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. ...in the
8: sky. Have
2: we have come a long way, baby. I remember um, a few decades ago when the video surveillance was still relatively new and uh, novel. And now, as I say... So whether it's the police, and by the way, great group, right? The police, aptly named, they'll be watching you. So uh, so whether it's law enforcement or uh, businesses or whatever, um, everybody now can afford cameras. I would say a uh, um, high percentage of people listening now have the uh, doorbell cameras. And people love it. And people set up the the cameras in their homes. You know, I'm I'm watching. Oh, look, my package came. Oh, my package of donuts. Oh, look, look at what my dogs are doing. (laughs) So we're all enraptured with the technology. You know, nobody is paying attention to where, where they are now. They're too busy paying attention, you know. Oh, look. Oh, look, there's somebody breaking into my house. Oh, I'm going to call the police now. Truly one of the finest groups of all time. If you enjoy that sort of thing. So, yeah, everything you do... And again, this includes um, video monitoring, audio monitoring. Uh, now with the new technology, they can read your mind and... Um, Oh, of course, everything you do on computers, key loggers, keystroke, uh, I mean, everything. So if you think you can do anything, anywhere, at any time, probably even when you're asleep, they have uh, powerful mind-reading equipment so they can now see your dreams, even though you probably forget your dreams before you wake up. Hey, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
9: John from Binghamton. You want to hear about my dreams at 16
2: or 17? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I have a dream. By the way, uh, need to point out, John, we, we have very limited time. What's on your mind?
9: Hey, how about those ridiculous uh, billboards for Nick Burlingame uh, with the sunglasses uh, I'm thinking he's uh, Tom Cruise? Have you seen those?
2: No, but I know where I... I'll be this afternoon. I'll be in the village of Endicott. Yeah,
9: go go around IM3. Hey, you know... Uh, I was struck I did a, a channel check I was struck that there's not uh, electric vehicles uh, uh, in the i m three parking lots you would think that such a committed group of people uh, to the to the future of of lithium batteries would have more than a few uh, uh, electric vehicles so <laughs> there you go
2: yeah that's interesting and now that you mentioned it I've noticed that too and I don't know it's not like the Parking lot is filled, but there, I would say, on a typical day, at the Giga factory, I, I would say there's several dozen vehicles, and or at least a few dozen vehicles in the lot. I couldn't tell you exactly how many are electric vehicles, but I, I would say the vast majority are are traditional gasoline-powered vehicles.
9: As as uh, the pickup truck that the university president drove. I saw
2: about. him. I saw him yeah. the other day. I, I was doing a story not far from his residence, and I thought, I wonder if I'm going to see him because that would be about the time that he would be going to work. And sure enough, and he was driving a, what appeared to be a, a gas-powered vehicle. So, interestingly, that uh, some of the biggest proponents of uh, electric vehicles have yet to make the transition. More coming up here on
0: WNBF. Where news breaks
1: first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly sunny for today, high near 63. Tonight will be partly cloudy, low around 40. For Friday, partly sunny skies with a high near 59. People shopping and working in downtown Binghamton are getting an earful as pile driving for a scaled-down redevelopment project moves forward. Construction operations are underway on Water Street next door to the Boscov's department store. When the pile driving is underway, people for blocks around the site are treated to 48 loud bangs a minute. It's not known how much longer the pile driving will continue. Plans for the original project were shot down by the Binghamton City School Board when it voted unanimously against a proposed tax break package for the developers. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram said the parking garage plan would move forward while the future of a residential component of the project was being reconsidered. At a special meeting, the Water Street Redevelopment Corporation voted to authorize the mayor to restructure the project. Pike Development is under contract to have construction of the new parking garage completed by September 14th of next year. Vestal Police are investigating the death of an Endicott resident whose body was discovered on the property of an old nursing home. Authorities received their report that a deceased person was found in a parking lot behind the former Vestal Nursing Center. The body was spotted by someone who was walking near the property. Special police officers were sent to the site at around 9.45 on Tuesday morning. Investigators said the body was identified as 59-year-old Benjamin Garrett of Endicott. They said he had been reported missing by relatives. Police said an autopsy on Garrett's body was performed Wednesday morning at Lord's Hospital. The autopsy results were not released by detectives. A news release indicated there was no indication that anything malicious or suspicious occurred to cause the death of Garrett, but police said their investigation is continuing. A new emergency order is now in effect in Broome County that prohibits New York City residents from using New York City housing vouchers within the county. The new order is part of the state of emergency issued in May related to the city's attempt to relocate large groups of people to upstate hotels. The state of emergency was enacted to to the extremely limited amount of housing currently available in the county. The county executive's office is coordinating with Sheriff Fred Akshar, the county department of social services and other agencies that may be impacted by the arrival of relocated persons. The sheriff's office has worked since May to educate local hotels and landlords about the state of emergency and associated emergency orders and is the lead agency on their enforcement. The Shenango Forks Central School District is receiving a significant financial boost with the receipt of $475,000 in funding from the United States Bureau of Justice Assistance under the Preventing School Violence Initiative. This allocation exceeding $400,000 has been earmarked to bolster safety measures within K-12 educational settings, ensuring a secure environment for students and staff. In response to the funding, the Shenango Forks Central School District has devised a comprehensive strategy aimed at en- enhancing safety, including the implementation of behavioral threats assessments, assessments and intervention teams, the integration of cutting-edge anonymous reporting technology, and the adoption of other proven school safety measures. New York State is dramatically expanding a legal marijuana market plagued by a sluggish rollout of retail stores. State regulators last Wednesday opened a 60-day window to accept general applications to grow, process, distribute, and sell pot. They expect to continue to issue more than 1,000 new licenses starting early next year with a priority on retail. Newly adopted regulations will allow companies licensed to sell medical marijuana. ...to expand into the adult retail market by the end of the year. That move worries farmers and retailers. They fear being squeezed out by deeper-pocketed companies... ...who will be able to both grow and sell. And Broom County Sheriff rod Akshar, along with Undersheriff Sam David... ...recently announced a new addition to the force, K-9 Raven. Sheriff Deputy Thomas Holden is Raven's partner and handler... Together, they went through training over several weeks in Illinois at Cedar Creek Kennels. Canine dog training includes obedience, protection, searches, tracking, and criminal apprehension. According to Police Chief Magazine, a separate class of dog is prepared for tactical situations, such as SWAT or special government operations. Deputy Holden Holden and Raven will take to the road patrol beginning in November. K-9 Raven is a female German Shepherd and has been trained for tracking, protection, drug detection, and other skills needed for law enforcement K-9 units. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio
9: 1290.
2: you nbf the station for information in real time live and local not voice tracks not recorded ahead of time for my convenience i know it'd be a lot easier to record 10 of these shows ahead of time and then go out on a cruise but you know i'm not about doing it the easy way (laughs) Do it the right way. WNBF. Joining us now is Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Good. Good. I just uh, pa- just paid a visit to the uh, legendary Philly sales site on Grand <laughs> Avenue, and uh, I was disturbed. Uh, I, I was initially disturbed by what I saw.
10: And what did you see? Nothing?
2: No, actually, that's what disturbed me. I saw something. <laughs> so there's, there's a truck... There's a big tractor trailer there, and I thought, oh, they're they're starting to put together the apartment complex that I reported on a year ago on wnbf.com. We had a story that um, a developer is preparing to construct a 72-unit apartment complex on the site. And I thought, well, I will drive by today to see what's happened over the past year. I didn't expect much, and there's a giant tractor-trailer there. And I thought, oh, I bet I bet they're starting to put the uh, apartments together.
10: That would be something since the village still owns the land.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, then you should ask the guy who parked his tractor-trailer yeah, exactly. there I mean, what, what the heck he's doing.
10: Yeah, I'm surprised that... Uh, One of the residents from from over there who walks grand aff frequently hasn't called the office or or sent an email stating something's parked on our property. But uh, I'll go check it out after we get done. Yeah. I mean, and and have it, uh, who owns it, have it removed. Yeah. Regan um, Development, they're going to take possession of the property before the month is out. Oh, are they? Yes. Yes. And uh, at 5 p.m. today at our Village Hall, there's going to be the IDA uh, or the agency, they're synonymous. Is going to be hosting a public hearing here at five o'clock um, to review uh, the plans for three thirty-three Grand Ave. All right.
2: Well, so I we've had Larry Regan, the developer, on the program before, uh, and he's I don't know that he talked too much specifically about this project. I know previously we discussed his uh, earlier project in Johnson City, uh, converting. Two old Endicott Johnson buildings near the railroad tracks that had been sitting there idle for decades, and now um, they're back to life. They have, um, I'm not sure exactly how many people living in those uh, two buildings, but that project certainly uh, was completed successfully, and it's uh, it's nice to see those buildings that I figured would never be used again. So Mr. Regan had, had a vision for those buildings and certainly with the right amount, I, I think it needed state support as well. Most of these types of projects need a state funding component, but, but he pulled that off.
10: Right. Yeah. The Century Sunrise, uh, I believe that they are at hundred percent occupancy. So he knows that there's a need in, in our community for, um, for housing so that's he's moving forward with the 72-unit um, complex at 333 Grand Ave, which I still think he's going to have in the commercial space. He wants to put a daycare component into that, which would uh, work nicely since uh, daycare is really uh, – we have a drought of it in our area. There's, there's really not a lot of it.
2: And – I also spent some time, I didn't have as much time to chat with uh, a couple other people who showed up on the site. It was a, it was a regular proverbial beehive of activity this morning for some <laughs> reason. Uh, so you had the guy in the tractor trailer. I, what I think most likely is he just needed a place probably to sleep overnight. He probably just parked there. I, I didn't see anything out of the ordinary, so he may be on the road again by now. Um, you know, if if there was anything nefarious going on, I I would have called uh, Chief sure Chief Dodge to let him know, you know, to send send over a couple of units just uh, to make sure everything's okay. But I, I didn't see anything too out of the ordinary. The other thing, though, uh, saw some folks uh, walking their dogs there. They uh, on a regular basis. You know, they live nearby and they walk their dogs and I had a good chat with them too about oh. Shall we say the the evolution of Johnson City over the last uh, 6 or 7 decades because I think we all would agree agree that Johnson City in 2023 is a bit different say than the Johnson City of
10: 1963. I would even say 73 83
2: and 93. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll s- stipulate that that each decade if say if we had some way even at that location there, 333 Grand Avenue, I would love if somebody had the foresight to have started taking pictures, say, on October 12th, 1963, then 73, and and every decade, just so we would have a compilation of how just that one site has changed. Because many of us of a certain age still have fond memories of Philadelphia sales and everything good that's when american retailing i think was in its glory when philadelphia sales had that location on grand avenue also their uh, i think it was the flagship location on clinton street in binghamton and then they went and built uh, a new store in endicott that's when american retailing was the strongest i believe i'm not going to disagree with you phillies was your one-stop shop and if you needed slightly irregular socks, that would be, that would be the place to go. And and deals, oh, they had deals, and don't get me started talking about the popcorn.
10: Exactly. That's. I mean, how, what a great uh, marketing! Right, as soon as you walked through the door, that popcorn machine was right there. So either on your way in or your way out, you were you were going going out of there with some.
2: Yep. So let's talk just a little bit more about uh, Larry Regan's vision for this site at 333 Grand Avenue. One of the other things that I didn't mention, but certainly uh, listeners may recall for a time, the village was um, was contemplating using that site, I believe for uh, a public works facility.
10: Yes, the village purchased that site. UHS uh, gained control of the site and uh, they're the ones that had the structure, uh, the Philly sales structure taken down and I honestly don't know what UHS had planned for that site. Uh, they felt that it wasn't going to fit in their long-range plan anymore, so they, um, Mayor Deeney, uh talked to uh, John Kerrig at UHS, and they came to an agreement that the village would purchase it. The village did purchase it with visions of our public works facility there. Um, and as time went by, we just agreed that it, it was not going to be a good fit, A, for the neighborhood, or B, for the site. Um, it just uh, wasn't large enough. Uh, so we've looked for various other sites throughout the village, and we're at our new home now at 60 Lester Ave, which worked out really well. Um, and so we put out an RFP to um, sell the surplus property at 333 Grand Ave, and Larry Regan uh, came in with the um, the best program, the best usage, and the best price for that property.
2: So you mentioned at this point now things could move forward pretty rapidly even though this has been in the discussion stage for for quite a while the fact that the village um definitely wanted some sort of uh, redevelopment or a housing project there and then ultimately regan development was chosen to um, come up with uh, this idea for the apartment complex so at this point even though it's been sort of um, Inactive, aside from people walking their dogs and people who drive tractor trailers uh, parking overnight, I guess in in the coming months we might start to see some real activity at the site.
10: Hopefully, I know that um, you you touched on. They need the component from the, their funding from the state through HCR Homes and Community Renewal, and they issue their awards. Um, it was once. You know, now they're doing two rounds a year, and those announcements should be coming up. Uh, and with the governor mandate that the state needs more housing, um, I, I think that they will uh, ramp up the uh, disbursement of these awards to help
2: spur development. What kind of impact could it have on on that neighborhood? Well, I mean,
10: it's right now. It's just it's a vacant lot. And, uh, he plans on putting up 72 units of workforce housing and, um, you know, they're going to be predominantly one bedroom and people think of workforce housing. Oh boy. It, it's just, it's a, um, the qualifier that the state puts on it and it's 80% of the income. Um, that's what it's capped at, uh, the median income of the area. And you know, that's not a lot of money, but there, like, there's so many jobs out there where people need housing. You know, everybody thinks of market rate housing, which we need as well. And, you know, I'll just use Binghamton University and UHS example. Well, there's jobs at Binghamton University and UHS that um, could these people really afford market rate housing? Maybe, maybe not. So this workforce housing suits very well for these people, you know, and, and for the young professionals. You know, they're one bedroom, so it's people starting out in their careers You know, versus a starter home, you know, a, a starter apartment, for lack of a better term, where they'll be able to stay in the area and be able to thrive in the area and then eventually, you know, maybe build a home or or buy a home in the area.
2: You mentioned the uh, IDA public hearing that's coming up at 5 o'clock this afternoon, and that's to uh, consider the proposed tax break component, the pilot payment in lieu of tax agreement. Is that fair? I know uh, for various projects around our area, sometimes people raise major concerns about the tax breaks. We we saw what happened here in Binghamton with uh, the city school board voting unanimously against a pilot that, uh, at least for the time being, has has killed the the plan to have an apartment complex built above the new. Uh, Water Street parking garage, so we know sometimes uh, there can be some strenuous objection to these payment in lieu of tax agreements. What is your take on this particular proposal?
10: This particular proposal, I mean, it's all the balancing act, right? To get good developers, you have to incentivize them. And without the incentives, they're not going to come to the area. Now that gives the, the pause and say, okay, how do we make this up? Well, right now the village is receiving zero income t- or property tax on that property. So what we get is better than what we're receiving now. However, it's going to take a long time to get to where it should be. I think it's a 30-year pilot. Um, we've come up with a, a little bit of a workaround. It's called a host community agreement where we've, um, we've talked to Regan Development about uh, a host community agreement where the village is going to receive uh, just the village is going to receive more than what the pilot will provide. And that that's, that's something that um, anybody else that's, that's going to seek a pilot that that we will try to pursue and hopefully work successful in getting it.
2: So is the Johnson city school board also going to have to give its author or give its okay, give its blessing to this proposed pilot?
10: I do not know. I'm not sure if the village board even has to give a blessing, to be honest with you, Bob. I think with the way that the ID has changed, that this is not considered a deviated pilot. So um, I, I'm not sure that the, the village has to sign off on it.
2: It's 10:23. We're speaking with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney. One thing that uh, already has happened in that neighborhood right across the street is... Uh, the opening of uh, an agency that had been located for years in Binghamton. And that building across the street, which I believe previously was used by UHS, now has been repurposed. And actually, I ran into a woman who is volunteering for the, uh, the the agency there this morning. She said they're getting settled in to the the new place on the other side of Grand Avenue.
10: Yes, uh, Mothers and Babies Perinatal Network moved in there, and they're going to be a great asset to... To the neighborhood, they're already a great asset to the community, and um, uh, I think with uh, again with three thirty-three Grand Ave right across the street, uh, with the daycare component, that uh, it's going to work nicely with mothers and babies.
2: We'll have more of our conversation with the mayor of Johnson City in just a moment. You're listening to Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph.
0: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota.
9: WNBF
2: 26 on a Thursday morning, Bob Joseph Live. On Binghamton Now, this morning we're talking about Johnson City with the village mayor, Martin Maney. One thing that is uh, moving forward is um, the downtown revitalization initiative. The village has uh, received a significant, or is receiving a significant amount of money from New York State designed to uh, improve and enhance the downtown district. Tell us where things stand with the DRI in Johnson City
10: the d r i is moving along at a at a really good pace we have uh uh twenty projects uh that we're gonna be drilling down into uh within the next uh month or so to make uh more recommendations to the state and there's also uh, about a dozen small fund projects um right now we're totaled i think the the grant is nine point seven million the state um takes three hundred thousand dollars off the top to uh to provide the village with a, uh, um, a guide for lack of a better term, a consultant to get us through the process. And, uh, we're submitting, uh, right now, I think close to $14 million in request. Uh, so, cause the state eventually will have the final say a lot of great projects, uh, a lot of things that, uh, are, are transitional and transformative that will see more of a immediate impact in our downtown area. Um, you mentioned the snapshot about, well, boy, I wish if we had a comparable snapshot from 1963, every 10 years, I think that if you took a snapshot from the year 2000 and then take another snapshot in the year, or excuse me, the year 2020, and then take another snapshot in the year 2030, that you're going to see significant changes in growth in Johnson City.
2: Well, it is remarkable the transformation that we've seen, especially on the Corliss Avenue corridor with the university and the health sciences campus, that's a a remarkable change just compared to 10 years ago. Yes. And then on the other side of the railroad tracks, on the north side, with the transition that continues at the Oakdale Commons, which is still a work in progress, so much has happened over the last two or two and a half years there, but more to come. And then even hopscotching back over uh, to the uh, south side of the tracks with the opening of the Victory Lofts building with, what is that, 156 apartments? Yes. And and somebody told me, and I don't know what you've heard, but somebody said that there is still maybe a possibility of additional apartments in that building because uh, although the initial plan... Included the potential for retail or other space on the top floor, which I believe still is uh, not not renovated, hasn't been developed yet, but uh, I've heard some people indicate that at least a portion of that top floor might eventually be used for more apartments. Do you know if uh, the developer from Syracuse, uh, Matt Paulus, is, is potentially thinking about adding a few more apartments to the Victory Lofts building?
10: It's quite possible. I'm fairly certain that the, he is at capacity or he's nearing capacity for um, the complex. And the, the entire fifth floor is just a wide open space right now. So it's quite possible that he could develop that into uh, to more apartments. I know he's also he's got a project at uh, 19 Avenue B, uh, which he hopefully is going to be moving on in the near future.
2: Yeah, construction could start there. I I suppose at about any time. And about how many apartments were uh, talked about in his his uh, vision for Nineteen Avenue B? Is that about thirty or thirty-five apartments?
10: Twenty-eight. Okay. Twenty-eight apartments with um, a
2: commercial tenant. Hmm. Yeah, a lot going on. Yes. Well, getting back to uh, some other housing projects, uh, and we've touched on a few but there's still more to come because you you mentioned even not counting the 156 apartments at Victory Lofts there're nearly a 200 additional housing units that are being planned in in the village tell us about uh, those projects that also are being proposed
10: all right we well, we've got um, as we spoke about 333 Grand Ave that's that's a 72 unit um, development uh, 18 Park Street which is uh, going to be a multi-use. It's proposed for multi-use building, and it's going to be uh, owned and operated as a partnership with Binghamton University and First Ward Action Council. Uh, there's going to be 11 classrooms and about 5,000 square foot of office space, and then 27 one-bedroom or studio apartments and two two-bedroom studio apartments there. Uh, 345 Main Street, which is the old uh Johnson City High School, which transformed into the Night Penn Trade Center, um, is under is gonna be under contract, and there's uh, a developer that's looking to put sixty-two apartments in there, fifty at market rate and, and twelve affordable. Um he's submitted uh uh into our DRI. Uh we have uh nineteen Avenue B, which is uh twenty eight um workforce, uh, apartments, single bedroom workforce apartments. So there's, that's, you know, I was just doing the, the math this morning. It's like, that's 191 new or proposed units, you know, are on top of, like you said, the, the 156 that is at, uh, the victory lofts and, you know, the, um, century sunrise isn't that old in the, I can't, I'm not sure the, the amount of units there, but that's quite substantial. So there's, there's substantial growth that's uh, continuing to come to Johnson city.
2: But tell me more about uh, this new use for the high school. And um, it's interesting because the Johnson City High School opened on the same day as Binghamton High School and Union Endicott High School back in 1915. All three of those high schools, very similar in design and construction, they opened on September 7th. So on that day, 108 years ago the triple city suddenly got got three new school buildings and it's interesting uh two of the three are still being used as schools in binghamton and endicott but uh the johnson city high school has not been used for uh educational purposes uh specifically for for many years since the school district i think in the early 70s opened up the the high school up on reynolds road
10: right and uh just a fun fact on the johnson city high school only half of it was needed only half of that school was built when they originally opened it
2: uh oh by the the way and then uh initially if you look at the other half for a time and i don't know that it's still there when they built the other half they had uh, a two separate entrances that's back when you could have separate entrances one for boys Boys the other for for girls
10: yes and the gymnasium that's the gymnasium in the in the rear of the the complex yes um And the project description is uh, it's a 70,000-square-foot, three-story building. They're um, looking to put 50 market-rate apartments, 12 affordable units, uh, all ADA-compliant. And the remaining 30,000 square feet um, is going to have a future commercial tenant.
2: Hmm. So have they said how much they think the overall project might cost if they put forth any... Any cost estimates for renovating the, the old school? Uh,
10: over $15 million.
2: Well, that would seem to be a substantial investment, right, yeah. in the heart of Johnson City. Yes. So who's, who is who uh, is the developer? Exciting. Who's put forth the plans for uh, this, this new residential project at the old high school?
10: Uh, according to our paperwork, it's
2: Mark Lane. Well he's been involved in a few other projects too. I've heard that he has a couple other things possibly going on here in Broome County.
10: Well that's good. It's um it's good to have local developers stay local and, and continue to thrive in our area.
2: So what are your thoughts though about the then the transitioning of, of that school? And and we've seen, I mean, not just in Johnson City, but in places like Binghamton and Endicott. And and elsewhere around here, we've we've seen several schools from that era transformed into residential units. I've lost track of how many old schools, say from the early 20th century, have now been converted into apartment buildings. Well, there's the
10: Harry L. Apartments on Harriel Drive in Johnson City. There's um, the old C. Fred Johnson Middle School, Junior High. They've both been converted into apartments, so we've got experience with it here in Johnson City. I think that uh, you know that's it's kind of an iconic building, the, the high school. It's got a distinctive look about it, and I'm I'm just glad that it's uh, going to be repurposed and not raised, and because uh, I mean it's just, it's history, you know. So people can say, oh, that was where the high school was, and and it's tangible, you know. So it's it's a good thing that's being repurposed.
2: Well, and the fact... After more than a century, that place, I was just in there um, less than a month ago, and I was amazed. Yes, it's old, as you might expect, and it still has, I think it still has some of the school lockers in there. And oh, yes, it yeah, does. It does. Yeah, it, it, so I walked back in there, and it, it brought back, even though I didn't go to school there, I went to Union Endicott High School, it still gave me sort of the, the feel. Of what it was like in the old Union Endicott High School with some of the corridors and the old classrooms and yes lockers it had it still had sort of that feel even though I've been out of high school for for well over a decade
10: <laughs> Well I uh, was I've been taking drum lessons for quite some time and my uh, drum teacher Joe Roma is in was in the old high school in the Old Night Pen trade Center so I would be in there once a week. And uh, I'm sure my father and his generation would still be upset or still upset because they took a perfectly good building and moved all the way up on the hill because they claimed that the building that they were moving out of was falling down and yet it still stands.
2: And I can't predict what will happen in the future, but I wouldn't be surprised that school that opened in September 1915, that old building at 435 Main Street, will still be structurally sound after the so-called new high school at 666 Reynolds (laughs) Road is is decommissioned. It's just a a feeling I have because construction techniques from, say, 1915 to 1968 or 1970, construction techniques and materials changed drastically over the decades.
10: Yeah, I'm not
2: going to take that bet, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> bottom line is neither neither one of us would be around to collect on it. But uh, mm-hmm. future generations will will say, "Wow, Bob was right." Yes. We will. Oh, by the way, so how soon? How soon potentially could that project get underway? And, and what needs to happen going forward to to sort of uh, clear the way for for movement on redeveloping the old high school?
10: That's um, something that they still have to come before the planning board and get all of the, the uh, necessary permits. I really don't have any idea what their timeline is, um, other than that they did submit um, into a, a, to be a, a project sponsor uh, for the DRI. So I do not know what their timeline is. I know uh, the DRI funding, um, you can't... Uh, spend money and then say hey i spent this money give it back you have to wait till you're awarded and then once you get the award it's a it's a pay to get so let's say um they're awarded their their amount and they do get it then they have to send in receipts to say okay we spent this much money before they'll, they'll see reimbursement
2: speaking with johnson city mayor martin maney on a thursday morning i'm bob joseph you're listening to news radio wnbf 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. 1044 WNBF real-time information on a real radio station with someone who acts, asks real questions. This is Bob Joseph. We're speaking with Johnson City Mayor Martin Amani. Now, one thing that uh, has happened just in the last couple of weeks, and I believe we talked about this going back uh, at least six months ago on the program, the additional left turn lane into the Wegman store. On Harry L Drive, that's now uh, up and running. I I believe there still will be a a signage adjustment, but it appears that the uh, the additional left turn lane is uh, working okay, based on what I've seen.
10: Yes, uh, uh, it it took us a year to get that project completed. Uh, We talked about it multiple times over the last year, and uh, it's just the signage part is the state's. It's not the villages, so it's the state that's going to have to come in and adjust their signs. At this time, uh, the intersection had been the way it was for over 30 years, and once you get used to doing something for 30 years, we're all creatures of habit. It's supposed to stay that way. Well, now we've had, to me, a significant change to that intersection. So if everybody just goes slowly and pays attention to the markings on the road, don't look at the sign up above until they change it, but look at the left turn arrows, in the straight arrows in the right turn only arrows um it'll be a lot easier to navigate once we go slow and we get acclimated to it
2: what kind of feedback have you had from people i i know i've heard uh some people say oh i got confused and some people said oh well i knew it was going to happen so it really wasn't that confusing what have you been hearing
10: well, hopefully I don't jinx myself and I'm probably setting myself up for a lot of phone calls later today, but this office has not really had any negative feedback or positive feedback. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, again, I think it's it's a change and it's a significant change. And if you just go slowly through there and pay attention to the markings, you should be okay. And we're, you know, our goal was to hope ease, hopefully it eases the congestion uh, coming off of 201 because that, there was a problem where traffic was turning left off of 201 onto Harry Drive, and then they were queuing up to turn left into Wegmans, and then it was blocking and backing up onto 201. So we're hoping with the double left now that that will alleviate that and that will uh, prevent any type of a gridlock uh, that we were uh, witnessing, you know, at peak times.
2: Now speaking of traffic with with the New businesses that have opened in recent weeks at Oakdale Commons, the House of Sport, the uh, Panera Restaurant, Chipotle. uh, Ultimately, a mysterious other restaurant that could also open nearby uh, going forward at at some point in a year or so. As well as the other components over at Oakdale Commons, BJ's Wholesale, which uh, I'm told could open at the end of January and then... uh, what? Joe and Buster's, Tom Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's. I hear they want to open that up in time for March Madness, whatever that is. So, with all these components, and and again with the mystery of chicken sandwiches to boot, is is traffic uh, traffic flow and and the overall entrances and travel lanes in that area? one of the busiest intersections, I think, in Broome County on any given day, the 201 and Harriel Drive and uh, Reynolds Road intersection. Is that something that also may have to be revisited in the future at some point?
10: I would venture to guess yes, that would be all on the state since that 201 is is the state's. Um, I mean, congestion, is good and it's bad. It's bad if you're trying to get through it. It's great if you're a developer or, or you know, you're you're the mayor of a small village. Uh, it was just, we have to remember, I mean, you want to take snapshots. That sometimes you'll see the snapshots back when the mall, the commons was the mall, and it was fully populated with stores. That, that parking lot was a parking lot, and it took a long time to navigate through there, especially during the holiday season. And we were able to do that. Well, unfortunately... You know, the mall went on the wane, and now that it's the Oakdale Commons, it's coming back to life. Um, and so you're going to see the traffic back through there again. But it's nothing that we have not experienced in the past. And that's one thing we have to remember. The mall, before it was the Commons, it was the mall, and it was really busy, especially during the holiday season. Now that it's the Commons, it's going to become busy again, and we're just going to have to remember, you know, this is going to be a busy intersection. There's going to be congestion, and uh, don't get upset because it's a good thing.
2: Well, and as I've mentioned to you and also to the Broom County Executive Jason Garner, it uh, was certainly uh, a sobering sight to see in, I don't know if it was April or May of 2020, when finally we saw activity again at the Oakdale Mall and a traffic jam. uh, And that was only because the county was giving out Free masks because of the pandemic, right. and Correct. and suddenly, you know, it was one of those bittersweet things. It it reminded me of the good old days when traffic congestion was was an issue in that area, and then for several years, you know, with the mall in decline, that was not much of an issue. And and sadly, it it took a pandemic to actually get people there a couple of times for for mask giveaways. So, it it shows just how much has actually changed over the last three years at at the old oakdale mall and the change as we mentioned will will continue i I would think for at least another two years as as the other components are are built
10: no it's uh it's a great thing spark llc is is transitioned from the mall to the commons and it's hard for me to say the commons lived here my whole life i've known it as the mall but it is the commons and uh you know the Oakdale Commons is moving forward, and uh, it's great that those gentlemen—they—they they had the vision to save the mall. Because uh, I don't know if they didn't step in, where we'd be right now. You know, the the mall is a huge source of revenue, not just for Johnson City, but the Johnson City School District, the Townie Union, Broom County, the you know, New York State with sales tax. You know, it's a it's a huge contributor to the economy of this area and for those gentlemen to have the vision to bring it back and to bring it back differently. It's not just the shopping center. You know, there's, there's various different components there now that, that uh, have brought life back into that mall and, and people back into the area. And, and that's one thing we have to remember too, is um, I mean, the house of sports amazing. It's not just Johnson city, Binghamton, Endicott, Vestal. It's not Broome County residents that are shopping there. It's, it's a regional stop now. So they're bringing people into our area from out of our region which helps uh, showcase what we have. It's going to be a good thing. I think it's going to bring future development.
2: We'll have more with the Johnson City Mayor in just a moment on this Thursday morning here on WNBF. 1054, Bob Joseph speaking with Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney on Main Street in Johnson City. As we reported uh, earlier this month, the uh, old CVS pharmacy is uh, going to be coming back to life fairly soon. UHS has uh, a project to develop a retail pharmacy at the site where CVS had operated.
10: Yes, that's um, It's glad to see that. Building being repurposed as well. It was uh, it's a newer structure, so it's it's too bad that CVS moved out of there. But it's uh, beneficial that UHS is going to open a, a retail pharmacy in its place.
2: And that's more a factor. CVS is in the process of closing at least nine hundred stores across the country. They already had closed, I believe, at, at least three other stores here in Binghamton, and I suspect there will be more to come, uh, just because the pharmacy industry is is going through some big changes uh and the other thing though that also is continuing basically across the street the uh, work moving forward quite dramatically on the uhs wilson project
10: yes i was uh on the site last friday uh just on the exterior i'm hoping to get uh a tour of it fairly soon, but they are really moving along at a a rapid pace and just a a few nuances uh, to help move construction along and and, and quicker. And I'm sure this is uh, also a cost saver is uh, like all the bathrooms units that are in each of the patient rooms. I was told that they are prefabbed, that they're built off-site and they're just bringing them in and putting them in, you know, so I'm sure that that's got to save a tremendous amount of time. Uh, And, you know, they're really getting the building buttoned up and the one side is is fairly done and it's, it looks really nice it's uh it's impressive too you don't realize how big when you drive by it you say okay it's it's a six story building when you actually stand in front of it it's like wow this is a big structure this is a monster project and again um UHS owns a lot of property you know throughout the region and, and for them to uh choose Johnson City to Put their flagship hospital, their brand new, I'm calling it a brand new hospital, up. Uh, I think that it's awesome. And, and uh, we're fortunate because they're uh, a very, again, another large contributor to the economy of Johnson City. They're probably, uh, between them and Binghamton University, the largest employers in Johnson
2: City. Johnson City Mayor Martin Maney, thanks for your time. We'll have you back on the program in a few weeks.
10: Bob, uh, thank you very much. I always enjoy uh, chatting with you. Enjoy your day.
2: Thank you. Coming up next, the news and then more of Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph
0: on WNBF.
9: WNBF, Binghamton.
0: The destruction and suffering also is very striking in Gaza. ABC News foreign correspondent James Longman reports.
10: Gaza is under total siege. Nothing is going in. No food, no fuel, no water. But Israel is building up its military force.
0: The more than 2 million Palestinians who live there, desperate to find safety. Around 340,000 of them sheltering in UN facilities across Gaza. Humanitarian aid in and civilians out. Power is out across Gaza with Israel's energy minister saying it won't be restored until captives are freed. A new Speaker of the House again comes down to simple math. House Republicans plan to nominate Steve Scalise. So far, though, he doesn't have the 217 votes he needs to win. This time, Congressman Matt Gates isn't standing in the way.
10: Long live Speaker
2: Scalise.
10: Current holdouts objecting to Steve Scalise's rise to Speaker include Marjorie Taylor Greene, who says Scalise should focus instead on his battle with blood cancer. She's among several Republicans, saying they're sticking with Jim Jordan, even as Jordan says he's offered to enter Scalise's name and nomination.
0: That's ABC News national correspondent Stephen Portnoy. Last night's $1.7 billion Powerball jackpot had one winning ticket. It was sold in the Southern California town of Fraser Park. This is ABC News embarrassed by ugly yellow toe fungus?
1: Living with toe fungus is, it's embarrassing. I was afraid to take my socks off. I hid my yellow and crumbly toes from everybody.
0: Introducing Crystal Flush. Crystal Flush is the only FDA registered two-in-one home treatment that attacks your toe fungus from both the inside and out. Crystal Flesh's new and different combination system knocks out toe fungus for good, guaranteed. Crystal Flesh is different.
1: Uh, After just a few weeks, my fungus was gone. I mean, 100% disappeared. Crystal Flush was the only thing that ever worked. So if you're skeptical because you tried a bunch of other stuff, Crystal Flush is different. This is a game changer.
0: Crystal Flush is now available without a prescription, but it is not available in stores. Get your risk-free supply today. Go to crystalflush.com. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L flush.com. Stop being embarrassed by ugly yellow toenails. Go to crystalflush.com or call 800-204-4484. Social Security recipients can expect a 3.2% raise next year. It's a Lone Star battle for the American League pennant. The Texas Rangers and Houston Astros meet Saturday in Game 1 of the American League Championship Series to determine who goes to the World Series. Auto workers have expanded their strike. 8,700 Ford employees walked out of the company's big plant in Louisville, Kentucky. The president today is talking business. President Biden meets this afternoon with CEOs to talk about the economy and his
10: administration's efforts to implement its investing in America agenda. The business leaders come from a range of industries, construction, manufacturing, clean energy, finance and retail. The White House says the president will discuss how his Bidenomics economic agenda is supporting a, quote, resilient labor market and creating new opportunities for businesses and workers. The meeting comes as new
0: inflation data shows prices up 3.7 percent higher in September compared to a year ago, slightly higher than expected but unchanged from August CBC's Karen Travers in Washington Jim Ryan ABC News where news breaks first news radio
1: 1290 WNBF this is news radio 1290 WNBf news mostly sunny for today high near 63 tonight will be partly cloudy low around 40. For Friday, partly sunny skies with a high near 59. People shopping and working in downtown Binghamton are getting an earful as pile driving for a scaled-down redevelopment project moves forward. Construction operations are underway on Water Street next door to the Boscov's department store. When the pile driving is underway, people for blocks around the site are treated to 48 loud bangs a minute. It's not known how much longer the pile driving will continue. Plans for the original project were shot down by the Binghamton City School Board when it voted unanimously against a proposed tax break package for the developers. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram said the parking garage plan would move forward while the future of a residential component of the project was being reconsidered. At a special meeting, the Water Street Redevelopment Corporation voted to authorize the mayor to restructure the project. Pike Development is under contract to have construction of the new parking garage completed by September 14th of next year. Vestal Police are investigating the death of an Endicott resident whose body was discovered on the property of an old nursing home. Authorities received their report that a deceased person was found in a parking lot behind the former Vestal Nursing Center. The body was spotted by someone who was walking near the property. Festival police officers were sent to the site at around 9.45 on Tuesday morning. Investigators said the body was identified as 59-year-old Benjamin Garrett of Endicott. They said he had been reported missing by relatives. Police said an autopsy on Garrett's body was performed Wednesday morning at Lord's Hospital. The autopsy results were not released by detectives. A news release indicated there was no indication that anything malicious or suspicious occurred to cause the death of Garrett, but police said their investigation is continuing. A new emergency order is now in effect in Broome County that prohibits New York City residents from using New York City housing vouchers within the county. The new order is part of the state of emergency issued in May related to the city's attempt to relocate large groups of people to upstate hotels. The state of emergency was enacted to, to the extremely limited amount of housing currently available in the county. The county executive's office is coordinating with Sheriff Fred Akshar, the county department of social services, and other agencies that may be impacted by the arrival of relocated persons. The sheriff's office has worked since May to educate local hotels and landlords about the state of emergency and associated emergency orders and is the lead agency on their enforcement. The Shenango Forks Central School District is receiving a significant financial boost with the receipt of $475,000 in funding from the United States Bureau of Justice Assistance under the Preventing School Violence Initiative. This allocation exceeding $400,000 has been earmarked to bolster safety measures within K-12 educational settings, ensuring a secure environment for students and staff. In response to the funding, the Shenango Forks Central School District has devised a comprehensive strategy aimed at ent- enhancing safety, including the implementation of behavioral threats assessments, assessments and intervention teams, the integration of cutting-edge anonymous reporting technology, and the adoption of other proven school safety measures. New York State is dramatically expanding a legal marijuana market plagued by a sluggish rollout of retail stores. State regulators last Wednesday opened a 60-day window to accept general applications to grow, process, distribute and sell pot. They expect to continue to issue more than 1,000 new licenses starting early next year with a priority on retail. Newly adopted regulations will allow companies licensed to sell medical marijuana to expand into the adult retail market by the end of the year. That move worries farmers and retailers. They fear being squeezed out by deeper-pocketed companies who will be able to both grow and sell. And Broom County Sheriff Fred along with Undersheriff Sam David, recently announced a new addition to the force, K-9 Raven. Sheriff Deputy Thomas Holden is Raven's partner and handler. Together, they went through training over several weeks in Illinois at Cedar Creek Kennels. Canine dog training includes obedience, protection, searches, tracking, and criminal apprehension. According to Police Chief Magazine, a separate class of dog is prepared for tactical situations, such as SWAT or special government operations. Deputy Holden, Holden and Raven will take to the role patrol beginning in November. K9 Raven is a female German Shepherd and has been trained for tracking, protection, drug detection, and other skills needed for law enforcement K9 units. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF.
2: Okay, I will, then. That's, <laughs> that's my basic job. Talk, talk, talk. 607-772-1290. If you would like to talk on the radio, uh, local issues, of course, are permitted. Other issues certainly are likely to come up as well. You sent the agenda. I'm just a human robot. Of course I'm not just a human robot. I am your host. Thank you. IWNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
10: Press 1 now to verify or update your information.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Felicia. (laughs) I told her, please don't call me at work anymore. (laughs) Please don't call me at work. Dear... Oh, what else is going on? Oh, I know we haven't checked my favorite website of all times. The wnbf.com website, just bursting with flavor. So, here's a story about a man named Brady. No, here's a story about what all that noise downtown is and and I know some people some people knew right from the outset. They uh they knew that there was a lot of noise downtown, and they knew why. All right, enough. So that is the sound of progress, and that is one of the stories at WNBF.com. Could we hear, Mr. Producer, just two more seconds of that annoying noise, please? Mr. Producer. All right, enough. So what that is is uh, 48 times a minute you hear that. Is it a bang? Is it a whatever? And everybody knows it's the sound of progress that's called pile driving because they are actually moving forward, building the new parking garage, the highly anticipated and much-needed parking facility on Water Street next to Boscov's so of course you know, this is the early stage you you <laughs> you're not going to build a parking garage or much else on a lot like that unless you um, use a pile driver so they'll keep doing it until they get get it done now i don't know how much longer that'll happen and it doesn't go on all the time and it's not like it's every day, all day. It's just some days longer than others. But again, forty-eight times a minute. So not quite one one bang per second. Uh, they're doing that. Uh, the company is responsible. The business under contract primarily is Pike Development. Their motto is "Power of Partnership." POP, Power of Partnership from Pike Development. So they are the uh, big developers for the project on Water Street. So it is good to see work happening on the parking garage. Now, one of the sad things for some people is the apartment. So many people had so many hopes for the big apartment complex that was going to be built on top of this fabulous new parking garage. And can you imagine how nice and convenient it would be living right next door to boscov? So anytime that you needed to buy something great, you could basically put on your bathrobe and go next door to Boscov's and buy some stuff. But now we don't know if any apartments will ever be built. So the project is being restructured because the Binghamton Board of Education voted unanimously in July against the tax breaks. So, it was supposed to be at least a $60 million Water Street redevelopment project, and now, as it stands, the only thing that we know will get built is a five-level parking facility. So, that at least is a good thing. Then they'll have some sort of I don't know what I don't recall what they call it some sort of thing on top so if they ever get to the point of putting together a revised plan for apartments they can build a residential complex on top of the parking garage but at least for now this project entails just the the parking facility now don't Make plans to park there for the holiday shopping season because the parking garage isn't going to be ready probably for another 11 months. Pike Development is under contract to have the construction of the new parking garage completed by September 14th. So, and a uh, person I spoke with said that's doable. So, you can probably expect a ribbon cutting or some sort of um, ceremony or photo op at the new parking garage on Water Street, oh, maybe sometime after Labor Day next year, according to that schedule. Who knows, maybe they'll get it done sooner. But it is progress. I see a lot of um, things underway right now in the triple cities. There's a lot of um, construction of commercial and industrial buildings and, of course, some retail continuing over at the Oakdale Commons. So, I would say, as we look ahead to 2024, things would be, would be, uh, I I guess it'd be fair to say, it it should be a, a fairly robust year coming up, of course, you never know. You never know for sure about anything. But the way things stand right now, we could see a, a lot of activity going on. I'm already aware of a few other projects that are in the pipeline. Not ready, not ready to be reported out yet, but um, a fair number of things are in the works. It's eleven eighteen. What do you think? 607 772 1290. Bob Joseph, live on a Thursday morning at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the WNBF app.
0: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW.
2: This is Bob Joseph. More calls on your Thursday morning. Leo in Endwell. You're on the air. Hey,
4: Bob. How you doing? Good. Um, I wanted to uh, talk about a topic that may or may not be of interest to your audience. So you can cut me off if, if you don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, it has to do with Israel and, and what's going on there now. Uh, I rem- the, the key is that Israel is a is a sanctuary state for the Jewish people. That that's the key principle. And what I wanted to talk about was why the uh, why Gaza is there and why it exists at all. Um, now. In 48, when the state was founded, Israel moved the Palestinians to Gaza, and they have kept them there, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but, but they've kept them there partly because if the Palestinians are integrated into Israel, their birth rate is such that eventually Israel the the Jewish people would lose control of their government does that does that make sense is that improper to talk
2: about on the air well i'm not probably going to encourage the discussion i'm i'm focusing more on local issues and uh it's i mean i'm not saying we can't talk about it if other people want to discuss it they can i i think that that would be uh, more more along the lines of C-SPAN or CNN or Fox yeah. than yeah. or you know Hannity okay. or Gino or who, who right. Mark Levin. They probably would do a lot better than than on a local talk show.
4: Well, the the, the only reason I bring it up is I know there are people in this area who are who might be concerned about the that the problem is not solvable or that. Um, it's just too difficult to handle. And in a way, they're right. And I honestly don't see any way that will. it's just going to be a permanent state of affairs.
2: Well, and that may be the problem. That might be one of the reasons why I would uh, steer our conversations clear of it, because I, I don't want to get bogged down into something, into a quagmire of, um, well, stuff that'll make me depressed more depressed than i already am
4: well yeah, well i i know you had a rough day yesterday so well you, you know i mean the bottom it well no don't
2: don't worry about me i'm just saying i'm more concerned i don't worry so much about myself i'm more concerned about the audience does the audience yeah. want to hear much talk about that especially on a local program and i'm not I'm not suggesting for a minute that what you mentioned is unimportant it's it's extremely important and very complicated and because w- this is the only local program in Binghamton I I would strongly you know encourage listeners to find like issues say here in New York or Pennsylvania or even domestic issues as opposed to something that is so overwhelming, you know. I, I mean that well, you, you could spend hours, days, or weeks, or years talking about well, it's it. Been, it's, it's been going on right seventy five years, and that's that's why. And again, you know, I, I I won't tell people going forward. They can't call in and, and say a little bit about this, but I I'm not going to personally. I I'm not going to weigh in on it because I have right, nothing. Right. I have nothing Understood. to add. And I understand. yeah, if if I, if by chance I had this vision of a, of a solution that could re- result in peace in our time in that region, then I'd talk about it. But to be honest with you, it's just one of the the more perplexing things that that exist on the planet, where where I've realized I and and really most most other people don't have much control over it.
4: Well let, let me let me ask one question that that might be it's more locally oriented do you happen to know where the money came from for those vouchers those housing vouchers that uh, the um emergency order deals with uh, did it come from i i don't know it's like but but the city gave people like $1000 a month or something like that to move up into the area. And
2: I I never
4: heard where that money came from.
2: New York City. New York City's Family Homelessness and Eviction Prevention Supplement Program provides a housing allowance for eligible families in New York City who live in a homeless shelter or at risk of becoming homeless. Now, is that money, is it actually all New York City money or is it some state and federal money? I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. you know, what percentage is is paid for by uh, through New York City taxes, or what percentage is coming through federal programs. The um, and it's interesting to me how all of a sudden we're talking about this as though it's a new story. The story broke a week ago on this program. I mean, Jason Garner talked about his emergency order on October fifth, and suddenly. I'm seeing it in the news everywhere else. Yep. It's like, wow, yep. That's, yep. There, there's a slow-motion story, but oh, well. You're I, a trendsetter. Well, that's, You're why, a trendsetter. That's, that's why I come to work here, right? Because you know me. I, I've been a journalist for a long time, but even apart from being a journalist, I'm Mr. Curious, so I'm always glad to get new information on this program and then I'm happy to wait for days, weeks or, or even months later for it to show up elsewhere. I think I think it's interesting to see how how news flow works these days. Yep. All so, right. Well, all right, and all again right Yeah, thank you Leo yeah. for calling in. I again the the topic you raise is it's a vital topic and I I will not um, by any means prevent people from talking about it, but we won't probably dwell on it at length, just because it's just it's to me a very it's a sensitive uh, subject it's sensitive and in the end overwhelming and and very yeah. it's frustrating it's frustrating to me as as one guy and i I mentioned yesterday more than once i don't understand um the propensity for violence and the hatred that goes on i mean I appreciate. Some of the stuff, the history, and and so I understand when people are mad, I I sort of understand because of the history, I understand why people feel the way they do. I just don't understand what anybody hopes to accomplish now by injuring and assaulting and torturing and killing people because that's not going to lead to any resolution. Maybe at the end of the day, you get some of the anger out of your system, but at the end of the day, The problems are as bad or as worse as as when you woke up.
4: Yeah,
2: true. So, anyway, thank you. I appreciate your call, and thank you for listening. Yep, bye. 1130, this is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Our number is 607-772-1290. On the air, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, online at WNBF.com. Seven thirty-four, WNBM. Dave in Binghamton, you're
11: on the air. Good morning, Bob. Um, the uh, reason why I was calling, and I was torn for a few days trying to figure out how to call about local things. And again, like um, one of the previous callers, or just the previous caller, uh, in regard to the discussion about things in Israel. So it's like I've had family in Israel since after World War II. Um, they uh, were able to escape, not to Germany, just like my dad was able to escape and he came to the U.S., uh, was able to um, go through the process even after getting a denial letter um, stating he'd be a public charge in uh, 1938. Uh, a couple of years later, he was able to uh, actually come back from Cuba where he had to live for a year and a half um, to come in. And other family members went to England, others went to Israel, Australia, you know, they went all over um, after the diaspora of being pushed out, um, by the Nazis. So seeing what's happening now, you know, it, and I was having that on my mind while also still having the local issues. I, you know, I was always trying like, how can I call about a local thing when I'm always thinking about my family there and, and other things like that. Um, and it, I, I think, I, and I hope it doesn't, um, you know, move forward into anything else. Um, you know, like the talk about gas prices yesterday and I'm glad you finally saw what I saw for over two years of going to Syracuse and it always being so much cheaper than in a broom. But, you know, depending on how the conflict grows, our gas prices will go up. Um, and you know, with things happening in, in Ukraine and now in Israel and hopefully, you know, China doesn't decide, Oh, great time for Taiwan. You know, that's, I don't want it to progress that way. I don't, see it really progressing that way, but it's a possibility. And I, you know, I, I, don't want people to just sit by their, you know, rest by or sit back and think, ah, oh, we're, we're just living life in the U S, um, uh, ignorantly or, um, uh, not ignorantly, but just like blase about what's happening elsewhere when, you know, that is what happened before World War II as well until Pearl Harbor. And we don't want that to happen again. We need to be aware, alert, and watching what's ha- what's happening elsewhere in the world, and trying to make sure it doesn't um, increase or or become something. We, you know, no one in the world really, really wants.
2: Yeah, no, it's um, it's a great concern. I'm trying trying my best to keep things in perspective and context, but I, I'm not not happy with where things stand today and i i'm really concerned i'm gonna say afraid just very very concerned about what will happen in the next 24 hours what will happen in the next week at at the moment things look bad on so many levels and i i don't know what it will take to get people to come to their senses and realize that what is going on now, I mean, what is going on at this moment is not helpful to anyone on the planet. And I, I know people are outraged, appropriately outraged, by what happened last Saturday. And the only thing we know at this point is a lot more people are going to die before this ends. And, Correct. Um, but the, the sooner... The sooner that, that people are able to de-escalate and get to a point, even through their anger and their sadness and trying to cope with inex- uh, unbelievable loss, um, sooner we can get to that point and, let's face it, um, various factions are, I don't think, ever, ever going to sit down and be friends. Nope. And that's acceptable. You don't have to be friends, and you don't have to uh, be happy with someone's worldview. But if we can't figure out a way to coexist, you know, at this rate, and especially with the way tensions are in so many other spots around the world right now, and with the superpowers, uh, shall we say, not as super as they once were, um, mm-hmm. you know, that. There are so many things. This, this, you know, if if you're um, looking at the big picture, it's starting to look like a perfect storm, and not in a good yeah, way.
11: No, and that's exactly what I'm yeah. I'm I'm seeing, and hoping not for the, for you know, hoping that doesn't happen, right? Um, and hoping we can just continue, like you said, uh, to talk about local, regional, and New York State and Pennsylvania
2: stuff. Yeah, and and again, I I uh, I'm I'm trying to strike. A balance here, and it's not going to be perfect. But I am trying to uh, navigate through um, a difficult time for so many people, and, and I'm appreciate I'm, that. I, I'm I'm also acutely aware. If I wasn't aware already, just based on the first four days of this week, I'm acutely aware that that it's going to be impossible to please everybody and some days it might feel impossible to please most people I'm but I'm not giving up and I every day I'll strive to be fair and appropriate to people and and to try to hear what people are saying and I know I mean I'm human so at times I'll interject or interrupt and and go into my human mode, but I hope people will will understand' it's, it's not it's not meant in a malicious way mm-hmm. it's to carry on a conversation. And I, I hope I hope at the end of every three hour program, I hope in the end, people think that the mix that we've provided of local and uh, domestic issues, as well as touching on some of uh, the aspects of, of this war, I hope in the end they'll think that it was time well spent.
11: Definitely. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. It's
2: 1141 here at WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. Glenn Investel. good morning. You're on the air.
5: Good morning, Bob. How are you doing?
2: I am well. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for hanging on there for our conversation.
5: Yeah, of course. Um, I want to switch gears away from war for a moment, if I may, although I do want to commend you and and, uh, mirror what you said about not giving up, you know, so anytime you see something wrong, which usually involves people hurting other people, always, always fight that, always try to change that paradigm, never give up trying. If you give up, then we all lost. So anyway, moving along. (laughs) I just wanted to uh, let people know that our candidacy, I'm running for councilman in Vestal under the Real Democracy for Vestal Group, and we do have a community meeting at the Vestal Library every Thursday evening at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8, until Election Day. So I just wanted to remind people of that. Come down, meet myself, meet Maria Sexton, talk to us, ask us questions. I just want to put that open so the uh, public can come down and meet the candidates.
2: All right. Well, it's good to uh, give a reminder. I also remind people that the election will be November 7th, and it won't be long from now when people will be able to actually start early voting. So I, I encourage people, especially if you're interested in what's happening with the races in Vestal and also with the district attorney's race in broome county I encourage people to learn as much as you can about the candidates so when it finally comes time to vote you'll make a, a very informed decision
5: thank you for doing that that's exactly the same message i would give out
2: hope you have a good day you too bye-bye it's 11:43 at wnbf and we're striving to be an information source For you, especially with some of the the local races. I did mention on our program on Wednesday that the interviews that we conducted in September with the district attorney candidates, Paul Battisti and Matthew Ryan, are now on our website, WNBF.com. We received requests from people who wanted to be able to hear both of the candidates in their separate one-on-one interviews. And you can hear them WNBF.com And I think it's It's useful It's useful As you prepare For November 7th Or if you're possibly going to Take advantage of early voting It's 1144 607 1290 This is Bob Joseph Thursday at WNBF To UNBM. Wide awake and I can see on a Thursday morning, it's 1149. Joan from Binghamton, you're on the air. Yeah,
8: it's good. I guess it's still good morning. Yep, yeah.
2: for another 11 minutes.
8: 11 minutes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I called was that uh, anytime you have a real big win, and I would say the attack on Israel would be considered a real big win, that you get a lot of recruits from all over the world who want to join because you've carried out some big thing, and they want to join the organization that did it. And part of the example is, you know, on all the college campuses across the country and other places, they've been talking about um, all the rallies being held, about uh, gas the Jews, Etc. Signs and that type of thing, and chants, and you know, uh, you know, co- uh, couching it under you know saving the Palestinians, you know, etc. And so, and you know, these guys, the uh, terrorists, are not just thinking about Israel. They have sworn to kill every Jew on the planet, not just in Israel. As far as they're concerned, you know this is you, you. You talk about some of these people that are killing babies and killing, shooting pregnant women in the gut and uh, killing, uh, decapitating babies and children in front of the families, mother and father, etc., and then killing them, uh, killing the children first in their sight. You know these people. You know they're not going to be convinced that that there is an end to anything. They and their life is dedicated toward killing. And you, you know, reason what you're talking about, reasoning with people. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's, um, you know, going to, you uh, know, be anything that's going to be even a conversation point in that part of what they're doing.
2: So what should be done?
8: You're going they they are out to kill, and they would have to be killed. I don't see that there's you know, just like Charles Manson, um, whoever you know, mass murderers, anybody you know. You talk about one person that kills somebody else, and you know they they're in what? Well, we've gotten a little more civilized in that. Oh, we just put them in jail for life. You know, versus electric chair or guillotine or, you know, whatever you want to talk about it. But if you're not, if you can't, you know, you were going to convince Charles Manson that he shouldn't uh, kill anybody?
2: Well, he never, he never did kill anybody. So there's that.
8: Well, any mass murderer. Sorry, I got the wrong person. Right. No, I just wanted to
2: clarify. Okay. not, Not that. The, not that there is anybody listening who would care, but just to, for purposes of accuracy, right. Charles Manson, as far as we know, never killed anybody, but he did lead people, or he was... Yeah, lead uh, people under yeah, killing
8: themselves, yeah. Yeah, so... You want to put it that way, but that's... I don't know. I, I guess if you want to say convincing people, I guess, you know, he's somebody that convinced people.
2: Well, and that's a sad thing. when When people when when any when any individual can be misled or duped by someone who may or may not be considered charismatic when there's a certain aspect to someone's personality that that they can lead others into doing stuff you know that is would be regarded by uh, the average person as heinous when somebody like that can even if they don't actually kill or even if they don't actually commit the acts of terrorism, but they're able to somehow mysteriously um, encourage their, their loyal followers to do stuff like that, that's just something I still can never understand. I, I, mm-hmm. I do not understand how there are uh, a select few Unfortunately, very very small percentage of the population who have something that that captivates people into doing bad things or to do things that are uh, against against uh, reason I mean what yeah. re- I, because look I'll I've lived in Broome County in the Binghamton area all my life I've lived not too far from where I was born on Binghamton's west side all my years, so I would say in about about a 20 or 25 mile radius but I've traveled elsewhere but I still never can quite understand what there is that motivates people to be so filled with hate evil well it is evil and it's evil in
8: them
2: but they weren't born with evil. I say every kid, every baby who's born is innocent.
8: You can be educated to be evil.
2: Well, what do we do about that?
8: What do we well, do? Well, they're, try- they're trying to do something about that by cutting off the money to people like Iran that preach this kind of thing and teach the younger generation to hate Jews and to hate Americans and et cetera, but... Apparently, uh, you know, that's the only, that's what civilized people do, okay? We put restrictions on them. We try to keep them from the almighty dollar, which is one way of, of doing it. In other words, you know, you could go over there and duke Iran. But instead, we have chosen, obviously, to cut off monies so that they don't have the money to do, to give to terrorists, to equip them, to train them to uh, sustain them. I guess they cut off money to the uh, Palestinian Authority because the Palestinian Authority was given pensions.
2: Right. To well, help, to be to continued, Hamas to be continued. as many we're, people
8: as they could kill. Right.
2: Hey, Isn't we're, out of, we're out of time. We're out of time for today. Okay. So thank you for calling.
8: All righty.
2: Have a good afternoon.
8: Yep. Okay, bye.
2: And thank you for listening. I'm Bob Joseph. I'll be back tomorrow morning from 9 to noon right here. WNBF
0: This is News Radio 1290 AM WNBF Binghamton now on 92.1 FM W221 EJ Binghamton a Town Square Media studio.